You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. We all know I love to experiment with my diet and I have taken experimentation to a new level recently because I got a continuous glucose monitor that I am obsessed with. You've probably seen me posting about it on social media. Meanwhile, I have been diving into nutrigenomics and also looking at the different diets suggested for my type in terms of human design and Ayurveda. And I think all of this is just very interesting. And I have a lot of experiments that I want to do in the near future. So I wanted to do a podcast episode sort of updating you on what my plans are and what's what's happening right now with all of the diet experimentation, because I know that many of you find this very interesting. And I believe that the best way to find out which diet works for you is to test it, of course, because bio-individuality always. And there are so many diet wars that go on. There's keto versus vegan, high carb versus low carb, high protein versus low protein. And the truth is, I really believe there's a time and a place for everything and everyone is just so different. And what you might need right now in your life could be very different than what you need in the future. We are always shifting and changing as humans. And I think it makes sense for the diet too, as well. I believe very much in diet variation, but I just love to experiment because I get so annoyed with all of the dogma in the nutrition space where people say, this is the way to eat and everybody should eat this way. And if you're not doing it wrong, and I mean, it's just old news and please run away from anybody who thinks that everyone will benefit from the exact same nutritional approach because there's just no way. I have tried so many different diets over the years, and I think I'm going to do a separate podcast episode recapping all of those. Let me know if that would be interesting to you. But I still have a few more experiments I want to try out. And the CGM is going to help me evaluate my blood glucose monitor, which I'll get to in a second. But I also really wanted to kind of review in this episode the dietary recommendations given to me by a number of different companies that analyze genes and tell you the best way according to them, to eat according to your genes. And so I thought it would be interesting to use me as a case study and share with you what those results say for me, because I have gotten my my genes tested and I have paid for different companies to analyze them. And I think it's very interesting to see what it suggests and also nature versus nurture and how that plays into things. So that's my plan for today. Buckle up, get ready. It's going to be a wild ride. You know me, 
But before we dive into that, speaking of experimentation, I know a lot of you are always looking for new podcasts, interesting conversation to open up your mind and make you laugh, allow you to learn something new. And I want to tell you about an amazing podcast called Basic Witches. I've been listening to them for the last month or so. And it's hosted by Leah Knauer and Rachel LaForest. And these girls are hilarious. They interview comedians, actors, artists, and other witches. By the way, if you haven't listened to my podcast episode with Cassie Aurora yet about the word witch, you definitely should. But basically, just interviewing them about all things magical. And they talk about everything from manifestation to sex to dating astrology, all of the witchy things. So up my alley. If you love that, if you are totally basic, like we all know I am, and also love all of the woo-woo witchy astrology things, then you will love this episode. They will make you laugh so hard. And you can listen to Basic Witches on any podcast app. So make sure you check them out because they have been killing the game recently. And I know a lot of us love this stuff and want a little bit of a lighter take on it than many podcasts offer. So definitely check out Basic Witches on Apple Podcasts. Speaking of astrology, let's talk about human design. So you guys know I'm very into human design. And with human design, I mean, you can dive into everything with human design. You can talk about relationships, business, career, life purpose, digestion, exercise, all of the things. So I thought it would be really interesting to compare my digestive type in human design and recommendations about like diet and lifestyle exercise with human design. Compare that to dietary recommendations based on my genetics and then discuss what's been happening with my CGM and what my plan is with that. Recently, I've been doing a lot of research on circadian biology and all the different ways that light exposure affects our sleep, our hormones, our weight, our inflammation levels, so many things. And one of the easiest light hacks in the world that I recommend everybody take advantage of is just wearing blue light blocking glasses. This is also critical for getting the highest quality sleep possible. When it comes to sleep, it's not just about how much you get, it's actually the quality of the sleep that is most important. And with so many of us on our screens all the time, it is highly, highly important that we are doing something to prevent digital eye strain and make sure the light from our laptops and our phones aren't completely destroying our circadian rhythms, our sleep, and our hormonal secretion. I've tried a lot of blue light blocking glasses in the last few years, but by far the best and the only brand that is 100% backed by science is Blue Blocks. They have three lenses, their Sleep Plus, their Summer Glow, and their Blue Light lenses. The Sleep Plus Red Lens is a lens you would want to put on after sunset, which is going to help improve your sleep, reduce your anxiety, and relax you. These are the classic blue light blocking glasses that you think of with the red lenses, but the red lens is incredibly important. Those orange lenses are only blocking out a portion of the blue and green spectrum that we need to block to optimize our circadian rhythm. And then during the day, you would want either the blue light clear lens or the summer glow yellow lens. The blue light clear lens is best for people who work in more natural lighting during the day. And the summer glow yellow lens is best for people who work under harsher artificial lighting and or anyone who wants the extra benefits of color therapy. So if you struggle with 
seasonal depression or anxiety, the summer glow yellow lenses would be great, but both will help with preventing digital eye strain and preventing any migraines or headaches from being on screens all day. And if you really want to up your sleep game, make sure you get the Remedy Sleep Mask. This is a 100% light blocking sleep mask that really helps with REM and deep sleep. This is a game changer for me because you probably don't realize how much light can creep in even when you think all of the lights are off and your blinds are closed. Blue Blocks also has a ton of different frames to pick from, about 20 different frames, and they have a send in your own frame service if you want to use your own frames. You can also make use of their prescription service if you need a prescription. Personally, my favorite frame is the Parker frame. I get complimented all the time on my Blue Blocks glasses and people always ask me what brand they are. I always am wearing Blue Blocks. If you're seeing me wear glasses in my Instagram stories, they're always Blue Blocks. I also love that for every pair of Blue Blocks they sell, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision who gifts them to someone in need. So it's a great cause as well. So if you want to improve your sleep, balance out your hormones, regulate your weight, all just by wearing glasses and prevent all of those headaches and that digital eye strain from looking at screens all day, make sure you go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. And when you get your pair of frames in the mail, take a selfie, tag me, tag Blue Blocks, and I'm excited to see which frames you pick. First of all, let's talk about human design, which might be a recap if you listened to this before. So I had a session with Victoria from Vital Becoming on Instagram, and we did a whole session about diet, lifestyle, health-related things because I knew I wanted to do this podcast episode, and I think it's very interesting to compare something that feels very scientific, like my genes, the recommendations from that alongside something that is recommended to me based on what is written in the stars because of my birth time, (laughs) my birth date and time. So according to human design, my digestive type is cold thirst. And so there are different ways to interpret this, but what it really means is cooling foods. And so if you think in Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, certain foods are more cooling and certain foods are more warming and heat up the system. So the thing is that my system is so hot that cooling foods will help, you know, kind of settle that down a bit. And so first of all, it's really important that I stay very hydrated, drinking lots of liquids, lots of water, hydrating foods, and also cooling foods. So these are a lot of the, you know, leafy green vegetables and green veggies and fruits It also has to do with the temperature of the food. So her recommendation was to eat food that is cooler than my body temperature. And so some people with this digestive type do really well on a raw foods diet. And the first human design reading I ever got, she said, you should try it a raw food diet. And so that's one way to interpret it. Another way is just making sure the the food isn't hot itself. So I, I started this a while back where I stopped eating food fresh out the oven, I just started letting it cool to room temperature or I would put it in the fridge and eat mostly leftovers. And I actually have noticed a difference with this. I definitely notice I feel better when I'm not eating a lot of hot foods because my system is really hot. And that has been interesting for me. I haven't tried a fully raw diet. I tried a fully raw diet for like three days, maybe six months ago, and it did not go well, but I was just also not in the in the place to be doing that. So 
I, I mostly, I've been experimenting with this more recently where I'm eating as many raw foods as I can that I want to, but there's a lot of raw foods I just wouldn't be excited about. And as a generator, it's really important that I'm very excited about the food I am eating. So I don't really want to eat anything that I'm not excited about. And that's also something that I've, I've been like my whole life. And many of you probably know my motto, never eat a bad meal. And I always joke about it, but that's truly been my life motto. I am the annoying person where, I mean, if I order something at a restaurant and I take a bite and I don't think it's amazing, I'll straight up just order something else because I want to enjoy every meal I eat. And I'm very serious about it, which might seem ridiculous, but that's just how I've always been. And so when I was learning more about that, I, I just thought, well, that makes a lot of sense. So being excited about what you're eating as a generator is really important. And then the whole cooling, cooling, cold thirst side of things, just eating colder foods. And for some people, they do better on more of a raw diet, lighter foods, smoothies. Uh, other people just need to make sure that, you know, the food is, it doesn't necessarily have to be raw, but just cooler than their body temperature. So I've been playing around with that a bit and we will sort of circle back to this later on. And I definitely notice I, I do feel better when I lean more in that direction and I'm working on staying even more hydrated than usual. So I think that could be a missing a missing piece there. And that ov- also overlaps with like Ayurvedic recommendations because I'm very pitta, I have a very hot system. And so for when you have a very hot system, again, you want to eat more cooling foods and actually less animal proteins. And if you have listened to my podcast with Deanna Minnick, we talked a bit about the energy of different foods and animal protein is very heating and grounding and carbohydrates are more energizing, so to speak. And so for a really hot system, sometimes a lot of animal protein wouldn't be recommended because I mean, in just the thermic effect of protein, for example, protein has the highest thermic effect of of any food. So it is creating a lot of heat in the body when it's being digested. So keep this in mind. We will circle back here. And then just to cover exercise quickly, based on my human design, first of all, I should be excited about it. And I do best without any sort of formal schedule and a really great form of exercise for me are things that are very fluid and feminine, like dancing, especially for my sacral chakra. And I've been told swimming and walks and that that's the best exercise for my my design. And then also for the pitta type, the best activities are usually those that are more moderate, like dancing or jogging or cycling or walking or yoga if it is not hot, of course. So again, things that are not super heating for the system. So that's an overview of the human design and Ayurvedic recommendations based on my body. And then let me move into the genetic analysis. So I have put my genes through a few different analysis machines, so to say, a few different companies. And I I got my genes analyzed a long time ago by 23andMe. I got them tested and then you can put them through different, like different companies, just submit them and they give you specific diet recommendations. And I know not everybody likes to do this, but whatever, I did it. So you don't have to if you don't want to. But I'm going to talk about some of the different companies that that have given me some results. So there are four companies I want to talk about, and I'm just going to give an overview of what they said. So the first company 
is gene food. And just, just so you know, I'm not sponsored by any of these companies. I don't have an affiliation with any of these companies. And I'm just telling you the ones I have paid for and, and put my genes through. This isn't me saying these are the best ones, in my opinion. That's a whole other conversation. And this, just for some background on this, if you're not familiar with nutrigenomics, the premise is that the influence of diet on someone's health is going to depend on that person's genes. And so it's basically studying how different chemicals in your diet can affect your health by changing the expression of your genes. So it's basically looking at how diet turns genes on and off and also how genetics affects the way we should be eating. But back to these companies. So the first company, like I said, is Gene Food. So the recommendations here were first and foremost to reduce my saturated fat intake, definitely to reduce my saturated fat intake and to focus more on omega-3s in, in my diet. So they emphasized focusing on fats like avocado, olive oil, macadamia nuts, almonds, Brazil nuts, pecans, hemp seeds, salmon, flax, and chia. In terms of carbohydrates, they said to focus on low glycemic carbohydrates, but that I do best with a high-fiber, mostly plant-based diet, and that I should be getting most of my protein from plants. They recommended I, I stay on a grain-free diet and avoid high-sugar foods. Part of this just felt like a lot of conflicting information for me because I'm like, okay, so you want me to stay low glycemic, but you also want me to eat a high fiber, mostly plant-based diet. And what am I supposed to eat? And the macro breakdown they gave me was 45% carbohydrates, 30% fats, and 25% protein, which is a relatively higher protein diet. I, I don't personally think that's crazy high protein, but for most people that would be high protein. It's definitely higher. I would say higher is like 25 to 35%. 30% fat. That is freaking low for me. Like I don't. Okay. And then 45% carbs. And I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to get 45% of my calories from carbohydrates with low glycemic carbs? However, this is where you have to consider what do people consider to be low glycemic? And like, what's the comparison? You know, are they thinking white bread is high glycemic and a sweet potato is low glycemic? Which I know there's like a glycemic index, so they're probably talking about low glycemic foods. But the point is a lot of this is very relative and we'll get to more of this later. But high fiber, mostly plant-based diet. Okay. And then they also say that with the protein, my best sources of protein would be pumpkin seeds, hemp seeds, walnuts, broccoli, and I could have lean meats and some poultry and eggs a few times a week, but I really need to watch my saturated fat. Okay. Guess I'm not on carnivore diet. <laughs> they also said to focus on fresh foods and that I am particularly sensitive to histamines. And so staying on a lower histamine diet would be best according to my genetics, which I thought was super interesting and is very, very true. I do react to histamines, even though I pretend I don't, but this is a thing. So that was very fascinating to me. And now let's talk about Geno Palette. Geno Palette 
recommended I eat a high carbohydrate diet that's high fiber and low in sugar. So they all emphasized low in sugar, but high fiber, high carbohydrate, that I should be more moderate fat and definitely very low in saturated fat, moderate polyunsaturated fat, and higher in monounsaturated fat. And they also recommended a high protein diet. They said that would be 19 to 24% protein. I would say that's more average protein, but okay. This is why it's important to know when people say high or low this, what, what they consider to be high or low. So the macro breakdown they gave me was 57 to 60% carbs, 19 to 24% protein, like I said, and 26 to 30% fats. Ooh. The thing is, I've actually eaten similarly to this before. We'll get to this in a second. I've actually eaten like that before. But so those two were very similar in the recommendations for me in that the Geno palette also recommended I get most of my protein from plant sources and that I eat a mainly plant-based diet. So that was interesting. And oh, I also forgot to say that the gene food, the one before, they also talked about exercise and they recommended I focus on weight lifting. Okay. So now let's talk about DNA fit. This is the first, the first thing that ever analyzed my genes for me. I think I heard about DNA fit from Ben Greenfield a long time ago. I have no idea if he still recommends it or what, but what DNA fit told me, well, first of all, they told me that Again, I should not eat a lot of saturated fat, no more than 8% saturated fat of my fat intake, that I have a medium fat sensitivity, a high carb sensitivity, I'm really bad at metabolizing caffeine. This is true. We all know this. I stay up all for days when I have caffeine. Need to break that habit. And then I, I should have a decreased salt intake uh, and avoid grilled meat because I'm very sensitive to to the carcinogens that develop when you when you grill your meat and i need to re- avoid refined carbs. So yeah, they said don't eat grilled or smoked meat, which is just really making me upset because we all know i love a smoked duck. This is just upsetting. And that i don't need salt. Okay. There we go. And that my optimal diet is This is what they said. Your optimal diet is low carb, not Mediterranean and not low fat. I'm, I'm confused now. So basically they were saying a moderate fat intake, which again, what does that mean? And also that I shouldn't, that I should be low carb. But then when I look up low carb, it's like 200 grams or lower. So again, it's important to know the reference point. But this caffeine thing, salt thing, This is interesting. And once again, I'm not supposed to eat a lot of saturated fat. So there we go. And then when it comes to exercise, DNA Fit recommended that I have an equal mix between power and endurance exercises. So basically equal mix between strength training and cardiovascular type exercise. So that was that. And then let me move into found my fitness. Now, this personally is my favorite if you're going to use any of these. This is developed by Rhonda Patrick, who is very smart and is very in-depth and leaves a good amount of analysis up to you, so to speak, in terms of basically any gene that has data and like has a recommendation associated with it. It gives you 
a big list of all of them. So you can read through all of them and associated studies and kind of piece it together for yourself, so to speak, without having to know anything beforehand. So some of some of the recommendations might conflict, which makes me feel like it's very, it's not as, un, it's, it's very unbiased compared to the others that are just telling you, oh, you know, you should eat high carb for your genes or whatever, where there might be some studies or there might be some genes that actually show the opposite. And it's more, they, they, these other companies are telling you kind of the, the overview, but I like to see all the pieces, if this makes sense. So what did Family Fitness say? First of all, that I should have a diet low in saturated fat and that a diet high in saturated fat makes me more at risk for obesity and type 2 diabetes and that my diet should be higher in mono and polyunsaturated fats and that I should avoid fatty beef, pork, coconut oil, butter, cheese, and that I do better with fats like nuts, fish, avocados, and olive oil. So we have a theme there. They also said that I do better with more polyunsaturated fats overall, which is very interesting, and that I should have more fish oil in my diet, that I have high ghrelin naturally, which honestly, so true. Like that is very true. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone. Think ghrelin, growling. It it makes us hungry when we have high ghrelin. And I am hungry all the time, usually. So that makes sense. That I, what else does it say? I do best with a high protein diet. So, and they define that as about 25% that my diet should be high in fiber, rich carbohydrates and proteins. And I should be eating more of a high carb, low fat diet that I have, that I actually have, will have less inflammation if I have a diet high in omega-6s. So it recommended a diet high in linoleic acid. So the theme was kind of high carb, low fat, and high protein. High protein being around 25%. And other things that popped up were that I would do well with time-restricted feeding and that I need extra sleep over other people, I guess, which, <laughs> okay. And I that I prefer, according to my genes, I probably prefer salty over sweet. This is incorrect. I will tell you that. That's very incorrect. And that I, a, f- a few different studies showing that I would do really well with cold exposure, um, that I should get more cold exposure into my life and that I actually don't do very well with very intense exercise. So isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Now, here's the thing to think about when you're getting your genes analyzed is there's I mean, genes are only a a part of the picture and environment has so much to do with the way our genes are expressed. Genes can't tell us what's currently going on in our bodies or the adjustments our bodies need to make. And also, this is such a new field that a lot of this research and a lot of these suggestions, I mean, it's just newer and I can see a lot of this shifting down the line. I, I, I don't really know anyone who has changed their whole diet according to their genes. It'd be very interesting. And I don't recommend people just go and do that because what's more important is how things feel in your body right now and what's going on in your body right now. You don't know which genes have been turned on and turned off. So a lot of this, it's really important to just take with a grain of salt. 
And, but I think it's fascinating, which is why I'm obviously talking about it. And I think it's really interesting because it's looking at, you know, according to my design, so to speak, I use that loosely, whether that be my genes or my human design, my astrology, my, uh, my constitution, what are these different recommendations? And the thing is that I feel like they overlap quite a bit. First of all, there were a li- there were a few things that were different between the different companies that analyzed my genes, like their analysis. But overall, it was pretty consistently that I should be eating a diet low in saturated fats, and that according to my genes, eating a high carbohydrate diet and a high protein, being like let's say twenty to twenty five percent, and that I actually do better with polyunsaturated or monounsaturated fats. So this was. This is very interesting. And then also the cold exposure thing. And it overlaps with the human design, like the cold exposure and being cold thirst and how that was one of the first things that I learned about my human design, my first ever reading. And she said, you know, you, you'd be someone who would do really well with cryotherapy or cold showers because I have a hot system. And then here it is in my genes. And then with the higher carbohydrate lower fat diet. We think of like fats and animal proteins as eating the system, right? And being higher higher carbohydrate really, I feel like lines up with a more cooling diet as I would be recommended because of my dosha being more pitta and also being a cold thirst digestive type in human design. So I think it's very interesting how it all overlaps. And with exercise, I would say, you know, some of it was kind of conflicting amongst the genetic analyses because one company said I should focus on weightlifting. One said 50-50 and the other said more uh, lower intensity. And then there's according to the Ayurvedic and human design suggestions, I would do better with lower intensity, gentler things. So there's some variation there, which was interesting. But my main takeaway here was that I should try reducing the saturated fat intake in my diet. That was kind of the main thing I took away from the the gene analysis, just because according to my genes, I do better when I have lower amounts of saturated fat. And I've been curious how that affects my inflammation and things like that. If you feel like you have tried literally everything to clear your acne and it still is not going away, that's exactly why I teamed up with the founders of ClearStem Skincare, Kaylee Clark and Danielle Gronich, to bring you our Ditch Your Acne course. I struggled for years with acne and it took a huge toll on my self-confidence. And I know what it's like to try literally every product out there, every treatment, every supplement, every diet, and feel like you still are not getting results. It is so, so frustrating. And that's why we have created this course to give you answers and allow you to take your power back into your own hands and clear your skin for good. If you already live a really healthy lifestyle and you take all the right supplements and you eat a super clean diet, then sometimes it can feel even more frustrating. And that's why I'm so excited about this course because you're going to finally get answers. In our Ditch Your Acne course, we cover what acne really is and its five main causes. And you might not realize how 
all five of these causes could be contributing to your breakouts. We also discuss products, all of the products that lead to breakouts, which includes a lot of these non-toxic products that many of you might be using and why those could actually trigger even more acne and what the perfect skincare regimen actually looks like. We also dive deep into all things nutrition. We talk about the different macronutrients and how those affect our skin health, specific acne triggering foods, including healthy foods, and exactly what to eat to clear up your skin. We also dive into all of the supplements that could be breaking you out, as well as the ones that help to clear your acne. And this module blows people's minds because a lot of the supplements that many of us take to maintain our health that everyone recommends could be breaking you out. We also dive deep into gut health and how to support your microbiome, how the gut affects the skin, and also addressing any underlying gut issues that could be contributing to your breakouts. And we dive deep into hormones and how they affect your skin. You've probably heard or even said, oh, it's just hormonal acne. That might not just be the case. There's a lot, lot to this. And we even talk about scarring, how to get rid of scarring, reducing inflammation, and all of the alternative therapies that can help your skin and the ones that do not work. You also get a bonus Q&A with the acne guru herself, Danielle Gronich. So if you're ready to clear your skin for good, you are done with the breakouts and you just want to get to the root cause and take a truly holistic approach, this course is for you. You can check it out by going to bit.ly slash ditch your acne. That's bit.ly slash ditch your acne. And you can use the code wellness realness for 15% off. Again, that's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash ditch your acne. And the code wellness realness will get you 15% off. This is the answer if you are ready to clear your skin for good at the root cause level. And as you go through the modules, snap a picture and tag me on Instagram so I can see what you're learning, and which knowledge bombs are blowing your mind. Now, with the macronutrient ratios, it gets tricky because, you know, I have had a long history of gut issues and have not tolerated carbohydrates very well in the past because of all of that gut dysbiosis I was dealing with for so long. And with mold illness and Lyme disease, the recommendation was was a low histamine diet, which is super interesting. They brought up it more sensitive to histamines and low carbohydrate, more ketogenic, just to calm down the inflammation. Now, let me give you an overview. So over the last five years, I've been more often than not lower carb paleo. I've been paleo for like five years and lower carb going in and out of ketosis. And then about, I don't know, a year and a half ago now, I started experimenting, getting out of ketosis, getting out of low carb, and I want to try adding more carbohydrates into my diet. And there was a solid amount of time. Well, first of all, we all remember potato diet, potato diet 2019. That was epic. I did that for two weeks. So, you know, I was just eating sweet potatoes for two weeks. It was, yeah, that happened. But there was a solid like five months, I want to say, where I was working with a trainer And I wanted to try more of an IFYM approach and do something different. So he had me on a very high protein, high carbohydrate, according to my standards, which other people wouldn't feel that high, low fat diet. It was the lowest fat diet I've ever been on. And I did that for about five months. And I felt, I felt good in terms of 
my energy levels, my brain function, and I was super satiated. And that's something that I have struggled with for a long time is just never feeling full. And I'm the kind of person where I can eat, I can eat all the protein fat in the world. And I just don't feel satiated until I have some carbohydrate, like some real carbohydrates, like not people are going to get mad at me, whatever. I mean, something dense, not just non-starchy vegetables aren't enough to make me feel full. I can eat like five heads of cauliflower and I'm still hungry. I might be bloated, but I'm hungry. It's like, I just need something to tell my hypothalamus I'm good. So that has been like an interesting thing. But then whenever I eat carbohydrates, I get really inflamed. It's like super noticeable, especially in my my fingers and my ankles and my face. And I, I feel it very immediately. So that's always been kind of the back and forth. But during that time, I was eating about... I, I know it was, I was at 30% fat for sure. And at least 150 grams of protein every day. And around 150 carbs, 150 grams of carbs most days. And then some days it would go up to 200 and some days it would be closer to 100. But more often than not, between 150 and 175, which was the highest I'd ever been. And I felt, like I said, I felt pretty good, except I was so bloated and puffy. Like it was just, it was not good. And I was like, honestly, I can't do this anymore. And then I started, I went back to my doctor and I was like, I need help. And I went low carb and very immediately dropped a ton of inflammation and my bloating went down. And then I started getting more intense treatments. Like I was doing ozone therapy. And so that's when my doctor said, I want you on a low low histamine ketogenic diet. And I was like, honestly, I'd rather go carnivore again. Like I, I, I started that and it was so stressful. And she told me that because I was literally reacting to every food because I had mast cell activation syndrome and histamine intolerance. And anyways, she said, I think you should do 30 days on carnivore. And I said, great, because I would rather do carnivore. It's easier than this low histamine ketogenic thing. I just know to eat meat. And I had never done that long on carnivore at that time before. And she was like, just do it. Just push through it. So Uh, It took me about a full month to adapt and that was just a whole ordeal. And then after that, I felt way better than I had in so long. And a lot of my inflammation went down. My gut issues went away. I I just noticed a huge difference in clarity and brain clarity and energy. And it was great. It was helpful. But I still had like hunger issues. I mean, I could eat so much meat and it was very expensive, but I felt way better. And then I I was doing my carnivore-ish diet that I was really happy about and I loved it and I was feeling pretty good. And I started adding in starchy carbs around my period and that helped with the hunger a lot. So everything was chilling. And then it just kind of got to a point where I was like, and it really hit ahead when I was in Portland for the NTA conference. And I was just eating regular paleo and I felt like a total pile of shit. Like, I'm like, honestly, I'm eating vegetables and animal protein. I should not feel like I want to die right now. My inflammation was so bad. It was, and I had so much brain fog. My eyelids, I mean, they were so swollen. I couldn't even open my eyes some mornings. It was not good. So I was like, honestly, screw this. I need to retrain my body. What what always happens is my body is, I'm so far in one direction that my body sort of loses its ability to be flexible in terms of what it can digest and just metabolic flexibility 
And I just want my body to be able to handle whatever I can throw at it. And if that means I'm a little bit inflamed, fine. But I don't want to be tied into eating carnivore and forever, right? Like it never meant for it to be a forever thing. I was like, maybe I'll eat carnivorous for a while. But then it just started to feel like my system started to feel like it was getting really hot. And this was before I was thinking about all the energetics of food and everything. And I'm just like, I don't know why I just feel like hot and heavy. Like, and, and then after about like five months on carnivore, all of the symptoms that it had gotten rid of started coming back. Like I was bloated again. And I mean, not horribly, but I was bloated again. And some of my inflammation was coming back. And I'm like, I just feel like my system is heating up and this is why it's happening. It was just kind of this energetic thing. And I also was like, I don't want to be inflexible and I know I'm going to want to eat more carbohydrates in the future. So I should just get off this now and start coming off of it. And then I started hearing some people say that when you go carnivore for too long, you can kill off certain bacteria that literally just never grow back. And then you lose the ability to digest certain carbohydrates, which is why like, you know, if you go carnivore and you, you do it for a while, if you do it short term, it's not usually an issue, but I was like pushing six months at this point. And I mean, from some people's standards, that might not be long, but I think it was to just be eating mostly meat. And I just felt like my body needed to change. And I also, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I always do best when I change my diet, which is why I like to change my diet a lot. I feel best with like, by whenever I switch from one extreme to the other, I feel really good. And then it's like things stop working and then I move again. And I just run really well off of change. And part of me feels like just understanding the human design side of it, that that is partially because I get excited again because I get bored when I eat the same way for a while. I went on a mission to start increasing my carbohydrates because I'm like, I want to be metabolically flexible. I don't want to be tied into one way of eating. I want to be able to digest everything. And I don't want my body to freak out if I eat a carbohydrate. And I started having really weird cravings, like intense carb cravings. And I'm like, and this is despite eating carbohydrates because I was still eating carbs around my period. So then I start adding in more carbs, more starchy carbs, like mostly that because those are easier for me to digest than non-starchy vegetables. And I was still getting really weird cravings like for bread, which is very odd for me, but I just couldn't stop thinking about gluten-free bread. And I thought, okay, clearly something is wrong. So my body wants something else. My body probably wants more carbohydrates. So basically... I decided to come off of carnivore and eat more carbohydrates so that I don't run into that issue again of, you know, being carnivore and then wanting to eat regularly in Portland and feeling like I was going to die. So that was kind of the plan. And at the same time, I was getting really excited because I knew my CGM was coming in the mail. So I got this continuous glucose monitor from NutriSense and they're a really awesome company. They make CGMs available to anyone who needs them. And so CGM has a continuous glucose monitor. So for a while now, I mean, I've always loved doing diet experiments, you know, and sometimes I'll test my ketones if I'm seeing if I'm in or out of ketosis in the past, but often I'll just check my blood sugar, but you know, pricking your finger and checking your blood sugar, first of all, you forget a lot and it's just more inconvenient. And I've been seeing a lot of people with CGMs and I've also had a really bizarre blood sugar issues for pretty much as long as I can remember. And I was talking about this on social media, but my first quote diagnosis ever was pre-diabetes when I was 
20 and I was recommended to go on a really strict low carbohydrate, higher protein diet. And so that's what I did. And I always just kind of leaned towards that because of my gut issues and my blood sugar dysregulation. However, despite those changes and eating that way, I still always had really strange blood sugar issues. And this has been like ongoing for however many years. And I've asked so many of my doctor friends and different practitioners I work with and everyone just kind of was like, oh, it'll work itself out. It's because of the cortisol. It's because of the cortisol. My cortisol is high and there might be an aspect of the dawn phenomenon, you know, when you are low carb for a while, having higher cortisol in the morning, but there just felt like more to it than that. And it would be very strange throughout the day. I would be eating meals that were just non-starchy vegetables and proteins and healthy fats and my blood sugar would just crash after it would be bizarre and so I was dealing with really bad hypoglycemia and this is why I uh, I would have really bad fainting spells in college after things I would eat I had really bad reactive hypoglycemia so the blood sugar has just kind of always been a little bit bizarre and it didn't really seem like anything totally helped so that was part of why I really wanted to get a CGM and I just think that testing for yourself with all of this stuff. I mean, I know people get so confused. What diet should I do? And at the end of the day, your best resource is going to be yourself and experimenting. And that's why I like learning about all of these different approaches because you never know what's going to work for you. And also you might pick up golden nuggets from different diets. And maybe there's not one specific diet that works really well for you. Just you know, implementing it as it is explained exactly, but maybe there's a piece of it that works really well for, for you. And then maybe there's a piece of something else you've tried that works really well. And that's how you start to really customize your diet. But this also ties back in with Raw Wolf's work. And he goes into this in his book, Wired to Eat, basically figuring out your unique glucose tolerance and which foods spike your blood sugar and which foods don't, because it can be so different for different people which is is kind of wild. You know, I think this is why the whole idea of glycemic index, glycemic load, how to eat best for your blood sugar regulation, there are helpful places to start, but there might be certain things that spike my blood sugar that don't spike yours and vice versa. So that's why it's really great to test for yourself. So that's why I've been really excited about the CGM. And if you want to get a continuous glucose monitor, I highly recommend people have been asking me it doesn't hurt at all. I I got nervous because it looks big and it looks like it would hurt. And I put it on and I was ready for like, I don't know, I was ready to feel like I was getting a shot or something. And I literally felt nothing. And I looked at my arm and I was like, whoa, did it go in? And it did. So it hurts way less than breaking your finger. I mean, I, I literally didn't even feel anything. So don't worry about that. And then the first day, I, I mean, I knew I had something on the back of my arm, but after that, I got a little, you know, desensitized to it. So it's just on my arm now. And it's really cool to watch how my blood sugar changes because I've been wanting to do a bunch of different food experiments. And I think having some data in addition to how I physically feel is going to be really interesting. And I'm really wanting to do some experimentation with how how low carb, high protein, high fat diets actually affect my blood sugar and get some data there. And also going the opposite approach and eating more of like a vegan high carb, low fat approach. And that kind of, that kind of aligns with what the genetic analyses suggested. So I just want to try out all these things and 
note my my personal subjective experience alongside having the blood sugar data. And what's been interesting is sometimes the things that make me not feel my best physically regulate my blood sugar and vice versa. So like I said, I really have been wanting to try a different approach and I really want to do an experiment that's more high carb, low fat vegan because I haven't tried that before. I did have that period of time where I was high protein, high carb and low fat. And I'm wondering if, you know, how I would feel being more high carb, lower protein and and low to moderate fat. I have been wanting to experiment with all of this food combining, all these food combining things I think is very interesting. And I just want to experiment. So I wanted to give my gut a reset because I know as I add in more fiber, it's going to be painful and I'm going to be really bloated. And it's hard to tell at this point what is just like making me bloated and not working for me versus what is just making me super bloated and not working because I was on carnivore for so long. And I really just want to, again, build up my body's ability to handle that. So I have more flexibility. So I'm going to try and push through a bit. But to give my gut a reset, I have been really fascinated by Karen Hurd's bean protocol. I don't know if, you know, some of you may have heard of this. I know know some of you have and some of you maybe not, but Karen Hurd has this, it's H-U-R-D. She has this really interesting bean protocol where basically you're not using any supplements, but you're using all beans to bind toxins and use that soluble fiber to get toxins out of the body and heal. And I'm not doing the bean protocol itself because it just doesn't call to me because I don't want to do anything I'm not excited about. But the white diet is something she recommends before going into it if necessary. And the white diet is basically eating anything white. So that could be rice. It could be white pasta. It could be white bread because it's really easily digestible. And I thought this was fascinating. And I thought, what a what an interesting way to reset the gut that's kind of opposite carnivore. And I, again, I'm trying to start to teach my body to tolerate carbohydrates. So I thought maybe I'll just, I'll just try white rice because I need to do a gluten-free option so I don't get sick. And just sticking to one, one thing is, is easiest. So I ate a ton of rice for three days. And that was the first time I had had that much rice in a long time. I've had some, I've had some rice here and there, but probably not more than like a quarter cup in the last five years since going paleo. And I haven't had any beans since then either. (laughs) Although, I mean, there's probably some rice flour and like chickpea flour and random desserts I've eaten over the years, but yeah, not just straight rice or beans. So I did, I ate white rice for three days and Digestively, I felt great. I had no bloating. I felt satiated and just, I felt really good digestively. Everything was going well there, but my blood sugar was not, not great. It was in the red zone. Let's just say that it was spiking. And and then after those three days, I started adding in some other foods and I kind of went, went back to how I had been eating right before because I was trying the food combining, like high carb vegan thing and it wasn't going well. And I thought, okay, I need to reset my gut. So in the last couple of days, I've been eating fruit in the mornings with, you know, like some coconut yogurt or something. And then having more of a vegan lunch and dinner and eating a lot of starches and some green veggies and seeing how that has gone. And so far that has kept my blood sugar pretty nicely in range, which is interesting. However, I did have some rice again and that 
immediately put my blood sugar, it spiked it back up. And so I tried that with white rice and then I also tried it with brown rice and both times it spiked it really high. So I'm feeling like rice isn't good for my blood sugar. And I also tried some hummus. So I tried some chickpeas and my blood sugar stayed in range with that too. So I'm going to keep experimenting and I'm going to try carbohydrates with and without fat, with and without protein. But first I want to try eating more like high carb, lower protein, lower fat, because I'm already on this train. I'm going to see how long I can last and see how long my digestion can take it. And then I want to kind of compare that to adding in more animal products and eating more the way that I used to eat. That's like higher protein, higher fat, lower carb, and just see see what what happens. And so that's kind of where I'm at with these diet experiments and really trying different foods specifically and different macronutrient ratios because I think it's so, so interesting. And I had showed on my stories last week, I ate an avocado and macadamia nuts. I was having a snack and I, I ate those and they, I mean, my blood sugar just spiked. It was a huge spike. And a lot of people messaged me and like, that's not possible. People who lean keto. And I was just, any, I was just saying anything's possible. And you know, your blood sugar can spike for a number of reasons. And it can very much spike with cortisol. And something I've noticed since using the CGM is that when I'm very stressed out, it'll have random spikes. Like there have been times where my blood sugar just spikes out of nowhere and I didn't even eat anything. It wasn't, you know, but I can see throughout the day how, how it changes. And I have noticed like there have been times when I am super stressed and it stands out to me. And that also causes a huge spike in my blood sugar which is interesting. And right now I also haven't tested how different forms of exercise affect it yet. Um, right now I'm kind of taking a break from exercise and I'm just, uh, resting and walking when I feel like it, but I'm, I'm not doing too much at all. I'm using my vibration plate to keep my lymphatic drainage going. You have probably seen the vibration plate I'm obsessed with. I got this amazing vibration plate. It's linked in the shop page on my website, christinaricewellness.com slash shop, but worth every penny. It's amazing. So I have been doing that, but my body, I think just has been needing more rest. So I'm kind of just taking a break from that. And I also think it's helpful for these experiments just to keep things consistent. So the cortisol has definitely spiked my, my blood sugar emotions kind of a big impact on it, which I think is very interesting. So I will keep you updated and also noting, you know, nights when I sleep better or worse and, you know, with specific foods, how those affect my blood sugar. And that can be a sign of a food intolerance. So this is why I just think this data is so interesting and it's so unique. And so I highly recommend, I highly recommend trying this out if you are intrigued and if you want, you know, NutriSense makes it possible to get this done. They're not, I'm, <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by NutriSense, but I do have a discount code with them because I think this is amazing. So if you go to NutriSense.io, you can sign up for a CGM there and it's basically a monthly subscription. They have a trial, a trial offer, but if you want a discount, I do have a code CRW for $25 off. That's not applicable to the trial offer, but if you do get the regular subscription, you can apply that there. And personally, I am, I signed up for about three, a three months worth because I want to have plenty of time to experiment and I might extend from there. But for now, I think three months will be very interesting. So I will keep you all 
updated. And I really just share this because I think it's interesting to hear about how different diets affect one person's body and all the different recommendations and just kind of using me as a case study to hopefully inspire you to figure out what works best for you because nutrition is so bio-individual and I know it can be really confusing with all the advice out there and what I what I think about that is just approaching it with open arms in the sense of learning as much as you feel called to learn but not taking it as oh, you need to do this, but more of just information and then taking what serves you and leaving what doesn't and more of just information so that you can put the pieces together for your own puzzle and figure out how you feel best. And also just, I want to remind you to always really honor your experience because maybe things make you feel great and other things make you feel awful where it might not make sense according to quote science, for example, how people are very upset that my avocado and macadamia nuts seemed to spike my blood sugar. But I mean, I took a screenshot, I showed it on my, I showed it so you can see that. And people are saying there's not possible. You didn't eat that. It doesn't make sense. Fat can't spike your blood sugar. Well, I mean, if I'm intolerant to one of those foods, it could, you know, and also I just think if my body isn't getting what it needs, it's going to cause a stress response. And I think especially, you know, for me, having been in the keto low carb space for so long, and I, I see so much value in that, in that way of eating and it helps so many people and helped me for a long time. I also think because I come from that paradigm, it's really important for me to try the other side of the spectrum and see what happens. And I'm kind of feeling like I wouldn't be surprised if I started eating really high carb and it balanced my blood sugar, <laughs> you know, because it might just calm my adrenals down. It's what my body hasn't gotten. So I am down to try different combinations and see what works for me. And I just really hope this inspires you to figure out what works for you. And I'm also going to do some experiments that I think you guys will find interesting. Like I want to test the smart sweets for sure, because I've seen so many people on Instagram test smart sweets that are advertised as low sugar, and then they spike their blood sugar just off the chart. So I'm going to do that sometime soon. I want to test a different sweeteners like stevia and monk fruit and xylitol and just try those out. I've already tested monk fruit and it doesn't seem to do anything to my blood sugar, but I'm going to try it again with different combinations and try out different fruits, how adding a protein and or fat affects when I consume carbohydrates and all the fun things. So Hopefully you found this interesting and I'm just like so obsessed with the CGM and doing experiments. And I know that a lot of you are also really excited as well, which makes me happy. I think it's just so fun and I love being a guinea pig. So here we are for experimentation. And then maybe after I feel like I have done a bunch of experiments and tried everything out, it'd be so fun to just do a podcast recapping like all of the experiments I've done with the CGM and maybe also a separate podcast, like I said before, with all the different diets I've tried from, you know, AIP, low FODMAP, keto, potato diet, low histamine, so many options. And to be honest, the one thing I haven't tried is like high carb, low fat, low protein, vegan besides potato diet. But I feel like that's kind of different the same way I would say it's different to try carnivore than it is to try keto. There's just some differences. So here we are. And if I can push myself outside of my comfort zone, then 
so can you. And like I said, it's just always important to challenge our paradigms and I think try different things to figure out what works best for us. But it's been very interesting because what seems to balance my blood sugar right now also makes me super bloated. And and then also that kind of relates back to, you know, all of those genetic tests that kind of, you know, that might be based on genetics and maybe it's true. That's maybe how my body is designed to eat best. But also if I have bacterial dysbiosis going on, which my tests have come up clean, but who knows? I mean, I really think it's more of the lime and mold that that's causing issues, but that's another tangent. But my point is there can be things going on beneath the surface that change what our bodies need at that particular time. So that's why it's important to look at someone as a whole person and see where their gut microbiome is at and where their HPA axis function is at, where their stress levels are at. And the more I I think about and learn about the energetics of food, I think that comes into play as well. So I think it's all very interesting and exciting. So hope you found this interesting. Thanks so much for tuning in and let me know if there are any specific experiments you want me to try out. You can comment on a recent Instagram post. I'm writing down all of the suggestions and hoping I can try as many as possible. And again, I really encourage you to check out the CGMs if you are interested in trying this out for yourself, because I mean, I can test things on my body, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the same for your own body. And that is at Nutrisense.io and my code CRW gets you $25 off of your first subscription. If you want to check that out again, this podcast is not sponsored by them. I'm just like really obsessed with it. So check it out. And this company is just awesome because they make the CGMs accessible to anyone who wants to try them. All right, that's it for today's show. Don't forget, if you want more behind the scenes content, you can follow my private Instagram account, Wellness Realness Crew. And to get access to that, all you have to do is DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to that account and request to follow. And I will say yes, as soon as I get that DM. And if you want to connect with other listeners of the show, you can hop on over to our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, introduce yourself and get to know other awesome members of our community. All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time.